0: But I have a feeling after those 30 days, our listeners will love their Bionic shoes so much they'll be ready to order another
1: pair. Use code the 15 at checkout for fifteen percent off your entire order at bionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's a one-time use only. Bionic shoes, wearable well-being for your feet. Hi, I'm Megan. And I'm Sarah. Hi, everyone, and welcome to episode 434 of The Mom Hour. I'm Megan Francis here with Sarah Powers. Hey, Sarah. Hey,
0: Megan. How's it going?
1: It's going well. Um, I'm excited today to talk about a perennial topic, <laughs> uh, one that never seems to go away, I and I think one that we've addressed a few times on the show, but it's, it's time for a refresh, and that's chores and household responsibilities and how we delegate those to our kids, how we feel about those, like where we are with those in our current Situations. Yep.
0: I yeah. I I have to share like a little mom hour behind the scenes memory is I think the very first we we have an episode, it's like episode eight or fifteen or something. I mean, so long ago, like eight and a half years ago, it was one of our first topics. And I have such a clear memory of just feeling um like I wasn't doing a good job as a mom getting my kids to do chores. And I distinctly remember you telling me like dude, you've got time. And that was so long ago. So my kids would have been like three, five and seven, something like that. Like, and you know, the five and seven or six and eight, if they were, I certainly knew they were capable. Six and eight year olds are capable of doing stuff. And, and I do think it's a good idea to keep an eye on that, but I just was kind of overwhelmed at like where to start. And I just, I can like, go back in time and think how much I needed that encouragement from you in that moment. And you were like, they're not going to really be helpful till they're like 10 and 12. And even then you've got a lot of time. And so now I can yeah. sit here and I have a 15, a 13 and a 10 and a half, like coming closer to 11. And I have so much to say about this topic. Cause I've got like, I've got serious chore doers in my house and that's not to say it goes perfectly or that they don't complain. And there's no, I mean, but now is the time where like this makes material sense in my life. And I just, it it just didn't, that it's kind of sweet to think back on.
1: I, I love that. And I think that, you know, where I was in my life at that moment was well, my little was still really little, and your little is not so, so you little anymore. But, but I had teenagers, so I was much more kind of like where you are now. And I think I was just seeing that this is a long, we're, this is a long vision thing, right? Yeah. We're in the and it it changes a ton. Um, it's changed for me with every transition I've gone through in our family lives with every kid who's um either either left home or even just gotten busier. You know, things like teenagers getting jobs or a 10 year old getting really into a sport will change the structure of what chores look like in your house. The house itself sometimes can dictate what it looks like. Yeah, um, definitely. Your preferences, how much free time you have to like either guide or not guide or like how much you need it done versus how much time you have to do the delegation. All of those things make this like a very fluid process. And I think it's more important that kids feel competent, like they can do stuff and know that they can figure it out. Yep. That's like the important part. I don't think the important part is that they know how to run your particular vacuum cleaner by yeah. a certain age. It's just that they know vacuum cleaners exist <laughs> and that they have the capacity and the, the capability to figure out how to do it. And, and the, the feeling of shared responsibility, yes. that it's, some, it's their job too. Well, um, and
0: that's the yeah. thing I was going to add, and then you added it at the end, is I, I have been doing a little expert reading on this lately to kind of refresh my own mind. And that, um, that feeling like they are a valued and important part of a system and actually, uh, that their contributions, uh, matter, but also that in a deeper way that, that they matter and that there's a tangible way to show up for the people you care about, um, is really, really important. It turns out. And so I would say if, I were giving advice to moms of younger kids. um, Thinking about why chores matter to you at a kind of like higher level or values-based level is a a great mental exercise, maybe talking about it with your co-parent or your partner. Because like you said, Megan, the individual chart and the execution of said chores is probably not going to be super satisfying or tidy. It's going to it's going to involve power struggles. It's going to be messy. It's not going to go how you think it's going to go. And that can be really frustrating and disheartening. So for me, it's really helpful to come back to what you just said, which is like, what do I actually want? What's the long-term line of sight? And then that helps me stick to it actually. Cause I, we're going to talk later about the traps we fall into, but I can be like an all or nothing thinker. So if a if if they're not keeping up with their chores or I'm not happy with the way they're doing them, I can want to throw in the towel completely. And I think having that bigger picture helps me stick with it. It's kind of like getting your kids to try new foods and things like that. At the micro level, it's disheartening. So it, it yeah. helps to know why you're doing this thing.
1: It does because, you know, there's not really a world in which your three or five or seven year old is actually going to lower your um, workload yeah. in any <laughs> like in any way at all right um no matter how much delegating you do there's no much the amount of delegating or even honestly competence at at a a three or five or seven year old level that's really gonna lower your workload that's not what this is about it's a teaching and and it does not end for a very long time ever
0: it it never ends (laughs) um well let's just check in with each other about current life, maybe say how old your kids are, remind everybody in case it's anybody's first time, what stage of life you're in. And like at a very high level, how's it going with chores around the house and kids?
1: Well, it's really interesting that we're doing this episode right now because I hadn't given it much thought. Um, we're, we're in a middle or I guess at the beginning, like the late beginning, the late beginning stages of a huge life transition where Um, Going from a family, a much larger family in terms of kids, I'm now down to two teenagers in the house, Clara, who's 14, and Owen, who's 17. And I just got remarried uh, over the summer. So fewer kids Mm -hmm. um, at this time, not last year. Well, no, last year, I guess Isaac was with us, and the year before that, Will was still at home. So, like, really, we're down, like, two kids, but added another adult. Mm -hmm. And we moved into his former home. So he already had systems in place. He's very self-sufficient. Like he does more housework than I do. I think I, I don't pay attention or keep score, but like it's, it's a very much, a, a equal partnership in that way. Um, so things are going almost a little too smoothly. And then I kind of realized as I was getting ready for this episode, I'm like, Oh, it has nothing to do with my kids because I haven't quite figured out yet how to bring them into the workload meaningfully Mm -hmm. and there's a lot of reasons for that first of all there's just less to do you know there's just yeah you're running a smaller ship in yeah Yeah. like fewer kids and and both of them are very like um they're neat kids they're not the kind of i've got some kids in my house who just leave stuff everywhere and claire and owen really aren't like that so there's just not a lot they haven't added a lot more clutter or dishes or anything but also there's another adult who's you know Chipping in constantly and often very proactively, so he's kind of like cleaning behind everybody, and so I'm not seeing.
0: You're not seeing
1: the. I'm not the seeing gaps. the exactly, and because we moved into his house where systems are already in place, and he can be a little particular about some things, I haven't really felt that comfortable. I guess um, saying, "Well, we're just gonna, you know, take this part over," or "The kids are gonna do this part from now on, and you don't have to worry about it." Um, it just hasn't happened yet. Like they definitely still do kitchen chores. Like they still unload and load the dishwasher. They'll take the trash out when asked and Owens mowed the lawn when needed. And and also they're with their dad every other week, which makes some of those ongoing chores a little tricky. Like the lawn might need to be mowed when no kid is here to mow it. So that can kind of throw it off sometimes. So they're still doing stuff, but like we haven't quite figured out what this new thing is gonna look like, even though both of them are very competent and capable. Um, they do their own laundry at this point. I will say okay. I have nothing to yeah. do with their laundry. And um I know they can do it and I know they would if asked, but it's like I haven't quite figured out how to structure it yet.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That is that's a pickle or a, yeah. a, a it's twist. a lot. It's yes. also kind of, can I just be really
1: honest? It's kind of nice. It's kind
0: of a nice break. You have a supportive partner who's sharing the adult workload um your kids are adjusting to a very different situation in a new house and not that you were beating yourself up I don't think you were but like it's also okay if it's just like there's not as many chores right now you've put in a lot of years
1: (laughs) yeah yeah well right yes and for a long time like the kids were my my work my worker bees like they had to be because we had a lot to get done and a lot of people and uh you know and not another adult in the house and now that's flipped and that's good for them. And I think that we're working on other routines, like other new ways of sort of being all together in a house and other structural things. And they're keeping things clean. They're doing their own laundry. They're helping with the dishes. I'm cool with it. I love plus Owen is driving Clara all over the place. So that's also, that that also counts. (laughs) It all, it all counts. Yeah. Um,
0: Well, I kind of feel like the opposite. I went full, like, it's time to crack down around here this fall, which is probably why I was excited to talk about this topic again. Um, so again, my kids are 15 sophomore in high school, 13 eighth grade, and 10 fifth grade. Um, I think over the last couple of years, we have gradually made a lot of progress in um kids being capable and willing to help when asked and having a, a little bit of a better attitude. So I, on the one hand, I feel like we were at a good place with that. Everybody knew how to do, um, basic jobs around the house. People were not like melting onto the floor in yeah. like groaning oh, dramatically when yes. asked. And that, that's a big step. Yeah, I'm just patting myself on the back. Like they all know how to take out the trash. They know how to do the basic things around the house. But I did get a little reinvigorated listening to a couple different, um, I guess, experts, podcast interviews, books, just reminded, I've got three years left at home with the oldest, um, reminded of that, the importance of chores almost as a, um, a piece of their overall wellness and mental health puzzle, that feeling connected to the family, that higher level stuff I was talking about. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, and what I had also realized was that, I as often happens with me, I can treat my three kids as kind of, um, um, the same in their abilities. And which means that the oldest isn't doing quite enough. And the youngest is scrambling to keep up. It's simpler for me, but it isn't always age appropriate. So this fall, I got a little more granular and Brian and I actually got on the same page. We had a little, went for a walk and kind of like, I guess, touched base at a philosophical level and made a Google doc and looked at what they were already doing. And what we ended up doing is adding some more regular recurring required tasks to Luke's plate, who is 15 um, added a couple more to reads and didn't really add any to violet. So we really are looking at it as really three different um, expectation levels this fall. And the other thing I did was implemented a, a a little bit of a, an accountability system for the older two, which is that if they are not doing their regular jobs that I shouldn't have to remind them to do, I have a little jar of very small tasks that they can choose from to pick up an additional thing or two. Um, And so for my kids, that feels very punitive because I don't tend to, I don't tend to impose um, consequences or punishments or like take things away. It's just not it's never really been our family's style, but I was pretty tired of reminding. And I also felt like at 13 and 15, part of their role is not needing to be reminded all the time. Um, And so, yeah, now they have a little jar. I made these little laminated things they can choose from. And they're really small, Megan. They're not meant to feel like super painful. It's just like, if I picked up your socks, you can do something for me. Like let's, you know, let's just agree that um I don't an occasional reminder is not a big deal. Like hey, could you, you know, I, I I saw you didn't do this or could you be sure to do this before you leave for school. That feels very acceptable. Um but the the constant or the almost like a willful forgetting of the thing that you're supposed to do literally every day. Every day you bring your cups and your water bottles out from your bedroom in the morning and load them in the dishwasher every single day. If I'm finding cups in your room like you can and I have to bring them out then you can do something for me so there's a little a little light um accountability system in play so I'm I'm gonna stop there because that was a lot and I'm happy to answer more granular questions but that's where we've arrived this fall
1: well I think that the way you're putting like I think that punishment and consequences are one thing but accountability and like you know learning that um some parts of life are a little transactional. Like sometimes you do get your back scratched because someone first scratched yours, right? Yeah. Or no, wait, you scratch a <laughs> back because someone scratched yours whatever. You know what I'm saying? And I've I have not used that exactly like that as a system. Um, but there have been times when I've had to say like, wow, you know, to a kid who just is dragging their feet or doesn't want to get started, like, wow, I do a lot of stuff for you. And I don't go through this like, yeah. I don't throw myself on the floor and cry. Not that my kids are doing that anymore, but you know, like, I don't do that when you need X, Y, and Z. And it really doesn't feel great to be in that situation. And it's interesting the kids of mine who respond to that gentle emotional manipulation because <laughs> they don't see it as manipulation, they yeah. see it as truth. Yeah. And the ones who will push back, <clears throat> Owen, you yeah. know, um, and what my response has to be. So, I guess my question for you about this would be, do you have a little lawyer in your house who wishes to fight back that perhaps the consequence is not fair? Yeah. Oh yeah. A and B or like not equivalent or like whatever their line of reasoning is B. And then B we've talked about this a little bit with things that aren't exactly about chores, but I have kids in my house who really benefit from reminders, prompting, whatever that looks like. And and I'm in, it's not like the, I, this is already the rule but I'm still going to remind you every single day that you have to bring your cups out. I'm talking about more things like that or maybe little one-offs or something where like some kind of prompting or reminding might be helpful. And then the kids who are annoyed by the prompting because they're like, I would have gotten to it in the time frame you set, but now you like ruined it. You no, know yeah. I mean? Because yeah. you reminded me, you yeah. like circumvented me from being able to be the one to deliver. And I'm just wondering how this system plays into that or if it, you know what I mean? Yes. Or if you get any pushback. I do. That was like all, that was 17 different questions in one. So sorry about
0: that. No, it's okay. I do. And I'm really transparent with the kids and I should say we, I'm saying I a lot, but Brian is on board and we really did roll this out together. And we were really transparent with the kids about why we were trying this and that it was an experiment um, and that their feedback is welcome, but also like not in the moment. Like if, right. if we're going to try this for a couple of weeks, a few weeks. Here's why we're doing it, and here's why it's important, And here's why Violet's not actually on the the we call them the green Jobs, which makes it sound like a climate initiative, but it's because, um, they're like written in green in this little jar. So Violet's not on the Green Jobs plan because she's not I don't have the same <laughs> expectations for her. Um, but yes, to answer your question, uh I have one litigator especially in Reed, but both of them pushed back on like, okay, mom, it makes sense if you had to pick up our socks cause we left them on the floor and now we're at school and you picked them up. That makes sense. Cause you did that for us. Do you like my teenage voice? I remember when yeah. you used to do a teenage voice.
1: Mine was more like that. <laughs> right?
0: So that makes sense because like you Bruh. had to do that for us. So now we do something for you, but why do I still have to pick up my socks? If you catch me, And then I also have to do a green job (laughs) and I pretty much say, well, because Because this is my world and also a little pain, a little bit of like an, Ooh, ouch. I didn't want to also have to go, um, vacuum the back hallway for two seconds. Um, that is part of what helps you remember next time. So a a little itty bitty, um, I guess like negative reinforcement or like what would happen at school if you didn't turn your paper in, or you didn't put your name on your paper something happens. And so right. anyway, my yes, my kids are very um like consequence and punishment sensitive. I've made them that way and we could dig into that another time, but um I just said that's this is what we're trying. So, yeah, that feels unfair to you. I hear you and that's how it's going to be for right now. So they they don't like that that sometimes sometimes it's a you scratch my back, I'll scratch yours type of thing, but sometimes it's actually no, you still have to do the thing you forgot to do. And now you can help me out with this other thing as a little, well, like, it's
1: like, you forgot to scratch my back. So now you still have to scratch my back and you have to add in like 50 cents.
0: Yeah. And this is me like totally owning the fact that I, I'm not sure if this is the right way. I don't know if this is going to work. This is the experiment we're trying in real time now. And, um, I'm, I welcome their litigation attempts and I don't like, I don't, go in hard on that power struggle. I listen. Um, and I acknowledge that, you know, this is something we're trying for right now, but I'm not gonna, I'm not gonna let them get away with it. Yeah, that makes sense.
1: Sarah, our sponsor Vionic is back today with their Vionic Vitals collection. These shoes are the most essential styles for everyday wear to get us ready for spring, which will be here before we know it. We've already talked about my Uptown Loafers and Willow Slip-On Flat and your Chardonnay Heeled Sandal, but this collection also includes the Walk 23 Classic Sneaker. That is that unapologetic dad sneaker style that's so popular right now. And I was just thinking having all four styles would basically be like having a spring capsule wardrobe for your feet.
0: Oh my gosh, that is actually such a genius idea, Megan. I love where you're going with this. You know, high quality shoes are such a classy way to elevate your wardrobe. And the styles in the Vionic Vitals collection really can be worn in your everyday mom life, whether you're running errands or dressing up for an occasion.
1: Yeah, and let's talk about the comfort factor, Sarah. Vionic actually got started by revolutionizing medical orthotics. Today, they continue to use that science to make cute and comfortable shoes that can keep up with our active lifestyles.
0: Use code THEMOMHOUR15 at checkout for 15% off your entire order at Vionicshoes.com when you log into your account. That's one-time use only. Vionic Shoes, wearable well-being for your feet.
1: Sarah, our sponsor Haya is back on the show today, and I just really love this company. Typical children's vitamins are basically candy in disguise. They're filled with two teaspoons of sugar, unhealthy chemicals, and other gummy junk most parents don't really want their growing kids eating. That's why Haya, the pediatrician-approved, super-powered chewable vitamin, was created.
0: That's right, Megan. Haya fills in the most common gaps in modern kids' diets to provide the full-body nourishment they need. And Haya vitamins have a yummy taste kids love, too. So we were just talking to Katie on our team, Megan, and she was saying that when they get down toward the bottom of the Haya vitamin bottle, her boys are fighting over who gets the last one.
1: Oh, I love it. And I also love that Katie can feel good about that, right? Right. Haya is designed for kids of all ages and sent straight to your door. So parents never need to worry about running out. And we've worked out a special deal with Haya for their best-selling children's vitamin. You're going to get 50% off your first order. To claim this deal, go to HayaHealth.com slash MomHour. This deal is not available on their regular website. Go to H-I-Y-A-H-E-A-L-T-H.com slash MomHour and get your kids the full body nourishment they need to grow into healthy adults.
0: I'm curious. Our personalities are so different, Megan. And now we've been doing this parenting gig for a long time. So I can definitely think of the, the kind of traps I fall into as a mom because of my personality or how I like to run my home. And I bet you have some too. So let's talk about like, I guess what obstacles get in the way of us being the chore mothers that we aspire to be.
1: Well, the first one that I didn't even have on this list, but came to mind when you were talking about your new deal in your house, Green Jobs, uh, the Green Jobs Initiative, yes, (laughs) was the fact that Violet is exempt. And um, in my house, that has created the idea that Clara does not have the same responsibilities as Owen. And Owen truly believes that her load is less than it ever was for him. Like, I think he believes he was doing chores at the age of four right. that Clara will literally never have to do. Sure. And a lot of that is just kind of like the sort of colorful memory making, I guess, that kids have. Yeah. It's, it's very subjective, right? And they believe that things are and more a certain way. And, um, and sometimes I feel like where that can play into my personality is that I second guess whether I'm favoring the youngest because they're the youngest. I don't want to be unfair. I don't want my kids to be mad at me or to feel like they're too burdened. I want them to all be cheerful and happy and enjoy the work I'm giving them to do. And even the way I ask them to do chores has always been just like so cheerful and polite and like, gosh, could you do this and that? And I know sometimes that can sound like I'm not real serious. And it's some kids don't respond to that. So, um me being the youngest and someone who wants to lead with like love and um, flexibility yeah. and giving everyone you want emotional buy-in without like, yeah, you, you want them to want, I want them to want to do it. Yeah. And I also want to give them so much space to figure it out. Yeah. And sometimes it, sometimes it just doesn't work. Sometimes like I have to, mm, It can't just be because I want them to want to be on board. Sometimes they're just not going to want to want to. And sometimes their version of reality is just not real. It's just not accurate. And I have to stand firm in that, which isn't always easy. Um, Another trap I sometimes fall into, especially over the years when the kids were really little, delegating to them. And I used to use the Downton Abbey, like Mrs. Hughes, um, Metaphor. Like I was basically a household manager and I was delegating as needed. I was not, if my kids did not have chore charts that they had to do every day, it was like, here's what I need to have done. Trips come in, you do this, you do yeah. this, you do this. And that worked really, really well when there was a lot to be done. What I have found is that I sometimes then, when the need is less or when I'm enjoying aspects of work, I kind of hoard it or forget to delegate it or don't want to bother. So sometimes, okay, like right now I'm nesting, I'm in a new home. I don't really want them in up in my stuff right now because I'm doing it. And again, it's not like, I don't feel like this is that problematic. It's a, it's a, it's a brief and temporary situation, but I have to like remind myself like, oh, I, they need to be doing work just for the sake of them needing to be doing work for character building, life learning, all of those things that we were talking about. I can't only call on them as needed because sometimes I just don't need them that much. And then that starts to create, I think, a splintering. They, they know that I'm not asking them to do as much. They start drifting away and like having their own little universes that they're living in. And I don't want that to happen. So that's just something I'm um, recognizing yeah. about myself. Well, I already mentioned having another adult in the house um, and it's just not evident what needs to be done. Um, And I think another limitation I have, I won't even call this a trap or like a a personality struggle exactly, but inside the home has always been my domain. And I don't know a whole lot about the workings of outside a home. Like I don't know a whole lot about how to keep the landscaping nice or how to like do things to the car. I know how to check my oil and fill a tire with air. That's about it. So it's been really helpful to remember that my kids, as, you know, Owen's a driver, um, there are responsibilities that I don't, not only do I not know how to teach him, but I don't even know that he should learn them. Yeah. So that's been one place that Eric's been really helpful to stepping in with all my kids. Like, I think he showed all my kids at one point, you know, years ago, how to put gas in a lawnmower and how to use it. I was hiring that out because I didn't know how to teach my own kids how to mow the lawn. That's like a huge limitation that I realized as a newly divorced person. It was like, Oh, I don't really know how to do this. It sounds very gendered. And I suppose it, it probably is the way the reason it felt that way in my marriage. But here I still am at the age was at the age of 40 going, well, what do I do now? I don't particularly want to take up lawn mowing at 40 just so I can teach my kids how to do it. So it's been really helpful to have Eric, who understands a totally different realm of household work—cleaning gutters, all that kind of stuff—that mm-hmm. um, is part of it, right? And I just didn't—I was limited by my lack of knowledge there. Yeah. Um, so that's something where I have to stand back and be like, I don't even know what I don't know. Yeah. So you just take take it, and yeah. he's happy to do that. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I guess the last one I would say is that the two kid dynamic is different, and Clara and Owen get along great but there being just two of them it's like they have to play all of the roles in just two people (laughs) like in a family of four or five people you might have your cut up your clown you know you might have your um the stickler the rule follower you you have the baby you have all those things and now it's like they're both trying to be all of it somehow and it's been very interesting to navigate and it can be things like oh and digging in on fairness While Clara just complains about having too much to do. It it can it can look like a lot of different things. It's like concentrated. They've both become concentrated versions of themselves. And um, I'm just kind of figuring that out.
0: Yeah. Yeah. And you are an empath and you do care about like how how they feel about these chores. And so I would imagine it feels even more concentrated because there are only two of them. It's like this is a lot of
1: a lot of feelings. Exactly. Exactly. Well, what about you?
0: So the first trap I already mentioned, but I'll just touch on it again. And, and that is, I have three kids relatively close in age. And unlike you were talking about the temptation to let the baby off the hook, I actually think in my family, it's played out the opposite, which is Violet's really um, resourceful and capable and eager to um, play up and be older So often by the time I realize she's ready for a set of responsibilities, I realize that I have not given the older ones as much responsibility as even I'm expecting of Violet. So I actually have to do the opposite, which is like she's still 10. She's still learning. And it's actually um, the older ones who've gotten away with probably like a younger kids version of chores for longer. And that's where I talked about kind of playing a little bit of catch up this fall with my middle and high schooler. Um, Along the same lines with the teenagers, I listened to this interview with a psychologist named Wendy Mogul uh, a couple months ago, and she made a point that I keep thinking about, which is with um, responsible, high achieving kids, especially. And and if you live in an area where parenting culture is very focused on achievement, um, there's this temptation for parents to let kids off the hook because they have homework or because they're excelling in their sport. Um, So instead of thinking like, oh man, my teenager's loafing around all day and he needs some chores. Well, that like, we think that makes logical sense, but what we forget, and I'm speaking generally, this was the, the person I was listening to, but I can see this trap in myself is a kid who's busy with theater and in honors classes and having lots of homework and doing so like doing really well in all of their quote unquote, traditionally like uh, achievement oriented life areas, then you think, well, I'm not going to also like have them drag the garbage bins back because they've been at school and rehearsal for six hours, like poor kid doing so well at being 15. You know what I mean? Like I can really see how that mindset gets. I also can see how that happened a bit when I was a teenager because I was a high achieving, busy teenager. And I think I was let off the hook in some chores areas, which no big deal. Like I turned out okay. So I, uh, that is a trap I'm keenly aware of right now with my 15 year old, especially that he actually need, he needs to be held accountable for also being a part of a household system and actually leaving the nest, knowing how to be a good roommate and knowing how to be a compassionate family member is equally or more important to me than knowing he can, you know, carry a course load of four classes and be in three productions at theater. Like it's, it's just equally important, but it's, it's a trap that I I can easily see how we fall into.
1: I think that's so interesting because Owen argues that. On his own behalf, like I did too when I was a teenager. He is by far the most um, academically successful of any of my kids, and he's very aware of it. Like so far, <laughs> and he literally has this attitude, like, "Well, what else do you want from me? Right? Do you see all these A's? I'm, do you see that I have like a four point four in this weighted class? Like, come on, you really expect me to do that too?" And I'm like, "Yeah, because I don't really care." Yeah, <laughs> like, good for you. That's great. Good for you. But also, yes. And also he's got time because school's easy for him. It doesn't take him any longer to make a bunch of A's as it might take another kid in the same family to maybe pull off B's. Like it doesn't take, it doesn't take him more time. And I really bristle at that actually, when he tries to play that with me, like it, I actually kind of um, react very unfavorably (laughs) And maybe unfairly to it, and, and then kind of blow it off like, well, whatever, that's on you if you want to do well in school, but I need you to load the dishwasher or whatever yeah. it is. Um, It's just interesting how kids, well, we all just see the world differently. Yeah. And he's gotten messages, however he's gotten them, that doing well in school is his job. Mm-hmm. And it's his one and only job. And and I have to remind him that actually life, there's more to it than that.
0: Well, and and just to like parrot the psychologist I listened to, it's really... <laughs> it's it's dicey for kids to go out in the world believing that their value is performance based and achievement based there's a lot that a lot of trouble that that can bring up later on in life for them so it's it's actually really good for them to know and i'm not lecturing you about owen specifically but like i think we want them to feel like part of their value is as a contributing member of a society or a system or i mean in this case we're talking about a family unit So, um, yeah, it's actually the opposite. Like we, we, I don't think we want our kids believing that that's their only, the only way that they can be of value because at some point school gets harder or jobs get harder to get. And then, and then we want them to have that feeling like they're still worth something.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Um, I, I totally agree. And we could probably have a, a, another whole episode about the up, like Academic success and Mm -hmm. what that looks like, and how we sort of tamper um, our own or temper. I'm not sure which word I'm looking for here, but like our own expectations around that. And then sometimes how they clash with our kids' expectations and the messages they're getting from other areas of their world. And it's very interesting. It's been really interesting having so many kids to see how they all felt so differently about it. And knowing that I, knowing how I feel about it and what that I've brought the same attitude to all five of them thinking, OK, so then where it's not all coming from me is what I'm getting at. Yeah. <laughs> There's a lot of messages that are happening around kids about what success looks like yeah. and what's important in life. And um, we're only a part of that conversation. That's true. And I think, yeah, I think so I think the more grounding we can be about it, the better at home. Yeah. Yeah. We're fighting against a lot of other influences.
0: I agree. I agree. Yeah. OK, well, that was a, a big, long trap. That I think is more <laughs> of a systemic trap, but it's one that right. I felt myself when I heard it, I thought, oh, I can very much see that playing out, but I'm kind of at the early end of high school, so I felt like that was a good one to catch, I guess yeah, um yeah, I'll mention a couple other quicker traps that I can fall into. Um, one is that if you have or if if one has a child going through a particularly grouchy phase, and I don't mean one afternoon, I mean a season of life. Let's just take, for example. <laughs> Sounds
1: like perhaps you are speaking from, um, from experience Let's on take, for example, the 13
0: year old boy
1: um, seen in okay. the wild.
0: <laughs> You've seen a few of these.
1: Um,
0: yes. I can fall into the trap of not wanting to poke the bear or not wanting to make a grouchy kid grouchier. And it's it happens at such a micro level. I'm not likely to let a kid get off scot-free, like not clear their plate after dinner or something. But let's say they did a really um very marginal job at something that they know how to do and they just phoned it in. And I mean phoned it in hard or are phoning it in consistently, I can fall into the trap of just not wanting to get into a argument or not wanting to make a sad kid sadder. And so that's that like <laughs> that's a little codependency happening that I just check my check myself and try to be sort of cheerfully non-attached. Whatever we have agreed upon is your job and the the terms of the agreement they they stand even when you're having a bad day. Um and of yeah. course like are there exceptions to that at the extremes, of course. I'm not going to tell a kid to take out the trash if they're in the middle of a true meltdown. But you see where like the slippery slope happens, like I find yeah. myself avoiding the the dark and stormy kid for all of their accountability. And then that wouldn't be, that would serve no one
1: either. Right. Yeah. 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 Yeah, I could see how that could be a trap that, um, could mean one kid would get away with not doing anything and and actually kind of encourages an outward, uh, display of grumpiness because it pays off.
0: Yep. Totally. Um, and then the last one is not a trap, but, um, it's just a, it is a challenge in the makeup of our family. And that is that Brian, my husband is so helpful and so generous and so loving to our shared children that I think he and I have different expectations or different, um, priorities when it comes to the kids and their jobs. And that has been a point of tension between us. And I think we're now very open about it and I do think we understand each other a little bit better but what feels to him like being a nice dad looks to me like undermining what we've said is important in our family and I can get very triggered or very irritated um when when it's something the kid's supposed to be doing that I just see Brian doing right right in front of my eyes instead of asking that kid or following up with that kid or holding that kid accountable. So I'm just, that is, that has been an ongoing struggle for us. And I think it's getting better, but it is a, it's not a trap. It's just, it's just the way we're wired and, and yeah. how we have to co-parent.
1: I mean, I'm 100% Brian. I know. In situation. I know
0: I have to, I, I don't want you to take that. Like I'm criticizing no, I you. It's
1: just like the, yeah. Yeah. I, and I could see how the rule following, um, like the side of you that says, but we made the rule for a reason. And then it's like flouting. And then there's me going, but I just, I just want to be nice though. And I can do it. Why not? Why wouldn't I just jump in and do it? And I, you know, it's not the same with a step parent, but Eric's definitely more of like a, let's set a rule. And then everyone follows the rule. Whereas I sort of resist systems and feel like people can just in the moment, figure, like into it, what needs to get done. And why do we have to have a rule or a system for everything? So we're not butting heads or anything. And they're my kids. And I, I think he doesn't want to um, overstep, yeah. but at some point we'll have to figure out what this is going to look like. His tendency is to want to know what is the rule going to be? Because mm-hmm. then he knows if everyone's doing what they're supposed to do. So me. And yeah. I'm like, well, if everything's just running well, what does it matter? Right. If everyone's pitching in and like things are getting done, who cares? And so that's a very different way of looking at the world. And, yeah. and so there's been some, like I'll get irritated even when he just says like, So what's the rule going to be? I'm like, there's no rule. (laughs) We don't have a rule for that because I don't want to think about it. I don't feel like making one. So we'll see. We'll see how that shapes up in the future. Um, Maybe all the kids will be grown and gone before. Before it like actually gets figured out. But I can see the relief. I mean, we finally did settle on the fact that like the way it's going to look when my kids are here is different from the way it's going to look when they're not. And so basically, um, like when I used to hang out here before we all moved in the, and I'm using r- rules kind of when I mean, there's just two adults who are both pitching in. it's not rules. Yeah, we didn't have rules systems for each other, expectations. Yeah. Yeah. So the systems were just basically picked up after ourselves in the moment. So like we just did our dishes while they accumulated, like they just didn't pile up in the sink because after you had a bowl of, you know, yogurt, you'd go wash out the bowl. And that works really well for two people. I think it's very inefficient for four, especially when there are pots and pans and things. And I, so finally the rule, the rule has kind of become, we do it the old way when it's just him and me. And when my kids are here every other week, we do it a new way, which is sort of my emerging way, which involves the dishwasher. And I think there was some relief for him just to know that just to have that much structure around it. Like, okay, now I know. So I won't hover in the kitchen wondering why your kids aren't hand washing their dishes after they have a plate of something. I'll just trust that at the end of the day, the dishwasher will get run and it's been working really well, but that's just one little thing. That's just one little area of the house.
0: It's like you've opened up an entire like Enneagram one deep dive there, (laughs) but you're right. I like have so much compassion for both you and Eric. It's like, as that same personality type, it's not that I... Can't let go of expectations or rules or systems, but just a a little bit goes a long way in allowing that person to. It's almost like be off the clock somehow. Now we know, like we're not really on the clock. We're not. It's not our job to make sure everything is done right all the time. But that comes hardwired in us. So yes, knowing like a little bit of what the system is can go a long way in feeling like we can. Set that part of ourselves down.
1: Yeah, and I think for me it was like, how about, how about in the kitchen when my kids are here? The kitchen just isn't your problem, really. Like we'll figure it out. Even that take a while, but it's not. You don't have to worry about it. It's not for you. It's not (laughs) for you. Get out. And I could see him like making a big effort to not, just to kind of physically remove himself, really. Yeah. Um. And it's I don't know if he's comfortable with it, but there hasn't been as there hasn't been conflict. And things are happening and are getting done. And I think there's relief for both of us in that, like that things are happening. They are getting done. And then in the weeks that the kids leave, the nice thing is I'm very whatever about it. I don't care when they're not here. As long as I don't have to have the job of mom, then I don't care because I'm off the clock. So we both get to check out every other week, actually, which is kind of nice. This episode is sponsored by Olive in June. And Sarah, I am just so grateful that I have mastered the art of doing my nails at home. When I look down at my cute manicure, I feel a little more pulled together, no matter how crazy life is at the moment. Thankfully, Olive & June's Manny system makes it so easy and affordable to make Manny time a regular part of my weekly routine.
0: Well, I know the feeling, Megan. And I think it's so fun that with Olive & June, you get to customize your Manny system with your choice of six polishes, plus their top coat is included. So Katie on our team says that she has lately been layering some of their iridescent colors over their gel-like polishes, and the final result looks super shimmery and pretty. I might have to try that this spring.
1: Yeah, and Olive and June press-ons are another cool option. They look so real, and I think it would be a great way to test out another nail shape. A long almond shape is popular right now, and I'm kind of curious what that would look like on me.
0: Okay, well, keep me posted on that one. Listeners, visit oliveandjune.com slash hour for 20% off your first Manny system. That's O-L-I-V-E-A-N-D-J-U-N-E dot com slash T-H-E-M-O-M-H-O-U-R for 20% off your first Manny system.
1: Across America, BP supports more than 275,000 jobs to keep energy flowing. Jobs like updating turbines at one of our Indiana wind farms. And producing more oil and gas with fewer operational emissions in the Gulf of Mexico. It's and, not or. See what doing both means for energy nationwide at bp.com slash investing in America.
0: Okay, Megan, we have not actually, I don't think, mentioned very many actual jobs our kids are doing yet. And I'm picturing moms of younger kids being like, okay, but how do you decide what to even, what do you even assign a kid? And since I just went through this exercise this summer, um, I'm happy to share like my approach. Um, as my kids have gotten older, it literally starts with the tasks I am doing, or Brian is doing that somebody else is capable of, or almost capable of, could be capable of. And I think that's, that's a, key point because often they're capable of much more than we give them credit for. As we've said many times on the show, you go into a Montessori classroom or a kindergarten classroom and all of a sudden you see a bunch of kids doing things that they have never done in your house, like washing dishes and, yeah. um, like, you know, hanging their things up. So, um, I, it's hard to impose someone else's list of jobs and chores onto your household because every household is different. But I bet that if you kind of, um, observed your own patterns within your house things like taking out the trash taking out the recycling or compost um feeding pets uh wiping up counters or tables um not even not even regular laundry but things like folding linens um sweeping or vacuuming in our kitchen gadgets episode. I think that was just last week or two weeks ago. Maybe I talked about the, our cordless vacuum and how a very young child can run that thing just enough to get pet hair and dust bunnies. So I, I think the approach I would recommend is literally observe yourself and your spouse or the other adults in your house and almost make like a little list on the side for a couple of weeks of things that you are doing regularly that someone else could, that one of your kids could do. And that does not mean you have to assign all of them out. I think we get to keep the jobs. Nobody wipes the counters in my, I wipe the counters. Cause I really like to wipe the counters my way, but, um, kids take out the trash and kids, um, take care of different parts of our yard, like picking up dog poop and picking avocados from the tree. Kids drag bins out, um, on the night before trash day and drag them back. Um, they take care of pets that they own i mean animals are another great way to start little kids on chores so anyway i wonder megan if you i know you've said you just kind of look around and see what needs to be done but do you remember back when your kids were smaller like getting over that hump of like oh wait i need help with this and i don't have to be the only one doing it
1: well i think it it's often just the the task like you already said that you're already doing day to day anyway they're the things you're modeling doing they're the things that are not usually pretty easy to do um, and that aren't going to be disastrous if they don't get done right. Yes. I don't really want a four-year-old cleaning the gutters. Um, but like a four-year-old can, yeah, can like run a little stick, a little stick vacuum and get dog hair and dead flies out of a windowsill. Yeah. Is that a thing in California? Do you get dead flies accumulating in your windowsills? Yes. Mm-hmm. Okay. Like in the, it's not even the windowsill. It's the like tracks. the little, the in tracks. The tracks. <laughs> of the, yeah, mm-hmm. <laughs> yes. we sure do. That I actually remember delighting when I finally figured out that my kids were capable and were able to take, you know, um, direction in that way. I kind of would delight in looking around for things that I kept not getting to but that they would actually find kind of fun.
0: I'm I'm glad you said that because after I said, look at the things you're doing regularly, I thought, oh, but also look at the things that you wish you were doing regularly and you're not. Yeah.
1: So like things like getting cobwebs out of the ceiling, you know, like the corners and the ceilings and like, yeah, wiping down um, the tracks and the windowsills, getting smears off of windows with the right tools, surprisingly young kids can do an okay job at stuff that you're not doing at all. (laughs) So, like, you may as well um, delegate it. I also think, you know, you mentioned, Sarah, in, when uh, a little while ago that in your house you noticed this imbalance. Like, the older kids had never been given, like, the most challenging stuff. And it was almost yeah. like, yeah, Violet was getting, like, really challenging stuff. I think that just kind of happens because when you're oldest, it's like how you didn't think. Um, you wouldn't have thought Luke was ready for the same TV as right. Violet. at the age of 10 but whoop there here we are right here we are there we are and i think younger kids learn by watching their siblings what they're capable of too and it doesn't occur to you when your oldest kid is six they seem like they're two compared to your youngest kid at six yeah yeah um yes so it's like what they're capable of it just takes a while to figure all that out and i definitely look back at like jacob and isaac when they were in high school i was rather uninspired about the stuff i asked him to do it was kind of just like the the basic list you already rattled off. And it was is probably what you really laundry. needed,
0: needed help with. You weren't going to get creative yes. beyond that. No, I didn't have yeah. any
1: capacity at that time. Yeah. I had a whole bunch of little kids and, and I was just trying to keep things going. Yeah. So I, I tended to start with either what was easiest to delegate um, or what I really needed done.
0: Another thing I want to add is that I, I feel like people have this impression like chores rotate in a lot of families. Like whose night it's a very like storybook, like cartoonish way to think about it. Like whose night is it to clear the table? Or, um, I don't know if it's just the families around me or the way that it's worked out in my family, but we don't have, we, we have played with rotating chores very, very little bit, and it almost never has gone well. And I think it was in KJ Delantonia's parenting book a few years ago that she did a chapter on chores and talked about, uh, maybe it wasn't even her, but someone she interviewed that chores were assigned for a whole year in in their yeah, family.
1: Talk- I feel like we talked about that I on think the we, show. I think we've talked yeah. about it
0: on the show. So I I didn't adopt that like to a T, but I've just never spent very much energy trying to come up with systems that rotate. Instead, I have looked at ability and what do I need help with? And what is this kid ready for? And then given them a job that's that's basically theirs for a while like until further notice I guess yeah. um Luke right now is doing a tidy of the kids bathroom every weekend it's not a deep clean he's not doing like the drains and the toilet but a but like a clean the bathroom a clean the bathroom light every weekend um Reed and Violet haven't done that ever yet and eventually I'll teach them how to clean a bathroom but right now it's just with Luke um Reed this year I gave the job of un packing and breaking down any large deliveries. And I can't tell you yeah. how much joy this gives me. That
1: is like the best thing to give kids to do. First of all, they actually kind of enjoy it. Well, it, remember, it is see also is 13 year old
0: boy. He's not right. going to enjoy it. Right. But yeah. we get some big ones. We get uh, we get a lot of our pet stuff delivered. So it'll be a big thing of guinea pig food. hay, cat litter. Sometimes yep. it's heavy. Comes with a lot of like awkward packing materials. And so if it's a little Amazon envelope or something, I don't. Who cares? But the bigger deliveries is Reed's job. And that will be his job at least for a year. And it's I think the kids really eventually come to appreciate having mastery over a skill and they become like they almost are given the ability to come up with their own. Like you were talking about earlier to figure out their own systems for it, which I think is really good. Violet unloads the farm box every week and um puts all the farm stuff away and then folds up the box and then we have to put the empty box out the next week cuz our CSA is like a delivery. And so she does that all on her own and it's great. So that's just another I guess if you are at home thinking there has to be some kind of fair rotation, we are not rotating in in my house and the fairness is more about age and ability, not like whose turn is it to, you know, feed the dog.
1: I feel like a long time ago I tried the rotation thing. And what I quickly realized is that you, as a mother, are creating another job for yourself mm-hmm. if you have multiple chores that are being rotated through, because now it's up to you to make sure that they get done and whose job it was to do them. The kids, yeah. they will look for any loophole yeah. to not do something. And oh, it, last night was my night, but then, or his night, but yeah. I did it for him. <laughs> and so tonight's not my night. And actually, he said that if I did it last night, that I would. He would pay me back by doing this other thing too. And then you've got these kids like squabbling. And I'm like, what is even just, can someone please just do this? Why so much drama? So I do not do any rotating. The only thing we rotate is the loading and unloading of the dishwasher because Clara and Owen are both convinced that I believe unloading. They're convinced is the worst job in the whole way. No, maybe it's loading. I would rather load than unload. Um, so I get it but it really in the end does it matter and so I'm like okay fine you guys can fight that out I'm not gonna get involved here's what I'm saying both have to be done and there's only two of you so if one doesn't get done I'll know who didn't do their job like that feels a little more manageable to me than if I had like a long list of things and everyone was rotating through with like a check mark or something that makes me it's like when um it's like when you try to get kids to share screen time. Mm-hmm. Um and like then they argue over who actually got a larger share yeah. of the screen time. It's the kind of thing that makes my shoulders creep up toward my ears.
0: Agreed. Agreed. Yeah. Um I think if it if there's something they can figure out between them um that requires zero momness then Great, maybe that's the solution. But no, it has very rarely worked. We we were trying to rotate with dragging the garbage bins out and back for a while. And there was this whole complicated thing where Reed is afraid of spiders and like really, like legitimately afraid, and there's often spiders. And so there was like, yeah, just like you were saying, they were covering for him and he was picking up dog poop. And finally I was like, okay, it sounds like Reed always wants to pick up dog poop and you guys always want to do the bins. And that was what we landed on. That's that. That's that. Um, do you have any superpowers when it comes to kids and chores, things that your personality is particularly well-suited for that have worked really well in your house, since we've already talked about the the ways we sabotage our own, own yeah. intentions?
1: Well, I think we've kind of danced around this a little bit. But while I do want my kids, I want to lead with emotion. Like, I want yeah. the buy-in. But I'm actually quite unemotional about the ask. Like, I'm pretty no-nonsense about it. I don't get upset if my kids don't want to do something. Um, I'm pretty good at being like, yeah, I get it. You don't want to. But here's the thing. I need you to. And my kids will actually laugh amongst themselves. Um, A little bit different. But this morning, Clara wasn't feeling very well before school. And she really was bargaining hard not to go. And, you know, she's a teenage girl. I know there's things that happen monthly that Are really rough. And I was like, I'm willing to give her the time off if I feel like she really wants it. But I also know that sometimes getting out of bed is the hardest part, right? So I was like, okay, well, I'll think about it, but I really want you to come down. And I already made you your little coffee, and Eric made you breakfast. I really want you to come eat it and see if it helps you. So she came down and ate it. And then I said, so we're all sitting around the table. And I was like, so you're feeling better, huh? And Owen's like, I knew it. He goes, (laughs) oldest trick in the book. She got you to the table. So they're like, kind of making fun because they know me. They know my. Yeah. They know my angle. Yeah. Um. They know that if they walk in a room and I'm standing there looking around, I'm probably going to give them something to do, but I'm going to do it like with a smile on my face. And I'm going to do it in a way that like, if they really, really want out or like they have a really legitimate reason for not doing something, I'm probably going to let them off the hook. Yeah. So it's like benevolent. I'm like a benevolent dictator. Yeah. Yeah. With a big smile on my face. And I feel like that has been, for me, a superpower, whether my kids agree or not, I couldn't tell you. Um, but it keeps me in a good mood about it. Yeah. And that's, that is important because yeah. you're going to be doing this job for a long time.
0: Yes, exactly. Yeah. It yeah. has to be, it has to be palatable to you. I think that's right. really the takeaway for any implementation of chores is like, as the household manager leader, you have to be able to, I mean, maybe you won't enjoy every minute, but right. it, it's not sustainable otherwise. Um, I think for me, I'm, I'm very fair minded back to the Enneagram one. Like I will, I really, um, do listen to my kids if they have another idea for how to do things and I am systems oriented, but I'm not like the system is going to rule no matter what. Um, so I think I make a, for a pretty fair negotiator, um, when it comes to deciding, what's expected, when it can be done. Um, that goes back to that trap of like that, that can be a slippery slope to letting a busy kid or a high achieving kid weasel out of stuff like we were talking Mm. about. But, um, so I am fair and I, I think I do listen and I'm willing to adjust. Um, and I, I like to teach. I like, I really enjoy the part of parenting that's teaching kids how to do something well and seeing them do it. Like that's the, I probably should have been a teacher or something. Um, so that part, I'm not sure it's a superpower and I don't think my kids care, but I guess it's something I enjoy. Like I genuinely enjoy when it's time for a kid to level up. Um, and I can sort of fairly hold their hand until they don't need handholding anymore. And to me, that's really satisfying. I guess I don't think it's fun for the kids. Like no one really wants to be taught how to clean a bathroom well, but I enjoy it. So maybe that's the part that that is
1: like, I think that is a superhero or a superpower because delighting in something that's a big part of the job. That's the mentoring is important. Yeah. Um, Enjoying it. Otherwise you'll just want to put it off and not, not ever do it. So.
0: Well, this kind of brings us right back to where I started, which is I'm thinking about all of the newer moms and how much I needed to hear that it was not too late for me to start thinking about chores and responsibilities and that I had a lot of time. And now, actually, I still feel like I have a lot of time and I don't even have that much time. So that's what that's where I would close if I were, you know, going to give any advice to moms of younger kids is take a few things you heard from this episode or that you read online, print off a chore chart, and then give yourself a huge pass because you likely have a lot longer than you think to find your, find your own rhythm and style with this.
1: Yeah, and, and I, I guess I would just add to that that I think it's really important to keep our expectations in check um, along the way. Like, I don't think giving your kids work to do is actually gonna make your life easier for a long time that's just not what it's yeah, necessarily you told, about you told me beginning. 10 and 12 that's what you told yeah yes, <laughs> told me. That, yes. and they're not gonna know how to do things right until they're like 30 right <laughs> until it matters to them to do it right that's just and they're not gonna care until they care and you can't make them care more than they care so it's kind of like making it work for you however it has to work with your your particular unique makeup of personalities and your life circumstances. I am still teaching my adult people how to do things correctly sometimes. Like I didn't know how to do a lot of things right when I was in my 20s.
0: Oh my gosh, I have more than one. I can think I'm not going to tell them cuz we're out of time. But I can think of 3 offhand anecdotes from when I was between 25 and 30 when I had was married, owned a home and had a baby where I was deeply embarrassed by something I like that either that got pointed out to me by a loved one or that I just realized I was not doing that I should or not doing well and or or maybe I knew I should do it but I just was didn't didn't have time so yeah um this is literally lifelong I'm so much better at these things at 43 than I was even at 33. So I think that's that's such a good reminder that like we're not trying to launch 18 year olds who are perfect at this stuff. We're we're really more trying to make the kids a part of the household system in a in a more loosey goosey kind of way, not in a perfection oriented way.
1: If you asked me right now to go start up a lawnmower, I am not 100 percent sure
0: I could do it. Oh, I I'm 100 percent sure I couldn't. So.
1: there you go. We still, we're still learning. We
0: solved it. All right, everybody. We'll talk to you next week. Talk to you soon. Thanks for listening to The Mom Hour. Everything we talked about in today's episode is available at themomhour.com. And hey, while you're there, you can find more than 500 podcast episodes, plus articles, playlists, and resources about motherhood and parenting at every stage.
1: And if you like today's episode, we'd love it if you would take a minute to share the show with another mom in your life. You can also find us on Instagram at the Mom Hour, chatting and interacting with listeners between episodes.
0: Thanks for being here, friends. We'll talk to you soon. Hey, everyone, we have a favor to ask. If you are an Apple Podcasts user, can you check really quickly to make sure you're still following the Mom Hour? Apple did one of their big software updates recently, and it changed a bunch of things about how you get the podcasts you're subscribed to.
1: If Apple Podcasts is your podcast app of choice, All you have to do is find your way to our show page and then click the little plus sign or follow in the top right corner. Thanks so
0: much. The Mom Hour is brought to you by partners like Chatbooks. Chatbooks makes it beyond easy to create beautiful photo books by importing your digital photos from anywhere. Instagram, Facebook, Google Photos, or directly from your phone.